So today we continue talking about uh, grateful in this series based on Diana Butler Bass's uh, book by the same name. Hope that you got a copy of it. If not, Amazon it because I think we're probably out of our copies now or pretty close. Uh, and what I'm trying to do each week is go over an entire section. So last week I talked about the first section, which had to do with the emotional qualities of gratefulness. And this week we're looking at the personal ethical dimensions of gratefulness. And what that really means is, I use the word praxis in this, praxis, that word, which I also named my midweek group, uh, means reflective action or ethical, uh, conscious ethical action behavior. So praxis in our context would be uh, conscious ethical behavior based on the teachings of Jesus. That would be kind of how we do it. So how do we, how do, we do our life based on the principles uh, that we see in Scripture? So that's kind of what we're after with that. And today I'm going to take a little bit different tack. Um, last week was very similar. This week I, I typed out you know, what I thought were some really compelling quotes uh, throughout this entire uh, section, which is a lot. Ended up with two pages of notes, <laughs> of quotes, single-spaced, and I uh, thought, that's way too much. Uh, and so I started to narrow it down to like, my favorite 12 or 15. Still too much. <laughs> so I narrowed it down even more, uh, and I really focused on an issue that I think we all struggle with, and it's how do you, how do you integrate gratitude, gratefulness, when we ha all have histories that included pain? And what do we do with that? How do we reconcile that? And she actually offers some really helpful tips. So I'm going to just walk you through these quotes and then uh, just talk a little about it uh, at the end. So here we go. So we need to remember when gratitude arose from failures, not just successes. Honest hindsight does not foster nostalgia. It's a really interesting thing to say. Uh, honest hindsight does not foster nostalgia. It puts us in touch with gratitude. Looking back offers the opportunity to rewrite our stories in more constructive and positive ways. Can you remember an event that was painful at the time, but that now makes you feel grateful? Uh, Diana Butler Bass talks about a time when she uh, taught at a university here in California and she wasn't a very good fit in this Christian university. And so uh, the president uh, invited her into his office and said, uh, Diana, uh, we're letting you go. She was expecting tenure, and instead she was giving her walking papers. And he followed up and said, uh, I know this has nothing to do with your credentials or all that. It's just we, we recognize as a faculty that this is not a good fit for you. And someday you'll thank me. Well, thankfulness is the last thing that Diana Butler Bass felt <laughs> at that moment. And yet, uh, over time, she actually was deeply grateful uh, for getting, getting the boot uh, from that job because of where it led afterwards. I'm just curious if you've had similar experiences. And my guess is uh, that you have, that there are some things that you're glad didn't work out the way you originally intended uh, in the moment. Uh, because it would not have gone well. Well, she continues her thought on this and says, remembering the actual past, even if that past was difficult and filled with ingratitude, allows us to see the past from an angle impossible at the time and paves the way for fuller appreciation of present joys. Maya Angelou says, if you must look back, do so forgivingly. 
If you must look forward, do so prayerfully. However, the wisest thing you can do is be present in the present gracefully. Uh, part of her section talks about a study done on happiness and how we deal with gratitude. That's one of the reasons I like her writing so much is she's got a lot of good data in there. And one of the things she talks about in, there, in some of the studies that come up is that there are headwinds in life and there are tailwinds in life. And we tend to focus on the headwinds that we face or the headwinds that we have faced in the past. Headwinds are those things that are in our way that make our life journey difficult. And of course we focus on those things because that's what's making life difficult. That's the obvious obstacle in our way. Uh, what we often don't spend much time on, uh, the research indicates, is the tailwinds. But it's the focusing on the tailwinds that actually helps us recognize that there was more going on all the time. When we just focus on the headwinds, uh, it's a problem. Uh, we tend to spiral negative and become more negative and more negative. Whereas when we take a look at the tailwinds, all those positive forces that kept us going and flowing forward, that buoyed us through even those difficult times, we come out of our experience different and we find ourselves to be more positive people. And positivity is not, is not a small thing. Uh, our capacity to stay on the positive side of things has physical realities for our life, physical benefits for our lives. Last week we looked at it actually increases your heart health. <laughs> and negativity does the opposite. It takes us into negative places, not just emotionally and mentally, but it actually hurts us physically as well. Um, but uh, Diana Butler Bass, and this next uh, long quote, uh, reminds us that we have the choice. So here's her choices that she offers us that we can make if we want. We can choose to believe that we are autonomous beings in complete command of our own lives, reliant upon no one and nothing but ourselves. We can choose to focus on our failures or our losses, on what we feel entitled to or what we deserve. We can choose anger, fear, resentment, grief, hubris, or pain. We can choose to live our lives stuck in our worst moments. We can choose to believe that everyone and everything are against us. We can choose to define ourselves on the basis of someone else's violence, prejudice, or injustice toward us. We can choose to define life as a zero-sum game. We can choose every negative philosophy, theology, or ideology that cuts us off from grace. And we can choose to think that there is no one and nothing to thank. She talked in her story, or in her uh, section, about a woman um, that she gave a pseudonym to, Elizabeth. Uh, and Elizabeth um, was a person who came from uh, a, lot of, a lot of strength. Family was very wealthy, she had a great education, got to tour the world. And yet when she got together uh, with Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth was always talking about how hard things were. And how hard life was and the challenges that she was facing and on and on and on and uh, Diana Butler Bass had uh, lunch with a with a mutual friend and the mutual friend was like oh yeah poor Elizabeth she's really had it rough and Diana was like rough you know she she had one of the most privileges upbringing of anybody in the world uh, how, what's what's the rough part here uh, but then she started to pay attention Diana did about her friend Elizabeth and she noticed that Elizabeth 
at every possibility for uh, looking on the positive side of things, she chose to look on the negative side of things. And what Diana recognized that when she was with Elizabeth was that she would follow suit. So as Diana was talking about the headwinds in her life and how hard it was, then Diana would reciprocate and talk about, well, I've got this headwind too. And then it would go back and forth, almost like a combination or a competition of whose life was suckier. <laughs> you know? and, that's, and it just spiraled. And after a while, Diana recognized that it was not affecting her well at all, that being in this negative suck fest uh, was hurting uh, her. And so uh, she broke the relationship off, and the friendship was over uh, because she couldn't live in that kind of cloud all the time. Uh, my dad, uh, he calls this Yabbat syndrome, uh, where any time that somebody's talking about uh, something positive, there's always somebody who's going to say, yeah, but remember how blah, 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 <laughs> and just kind of brings a, a sour note onto everything. Negativity uh, spirals into greater negativity. Uh, but when we are positive, when we're able to see things with softer eyes, a wider angle lens, uh, we have the opportunity to see things differently and more positively. Um, scripture attests to this. So this comes from Romans chapter 8. This is a letter from Paul. He uses in other translations, he uses words of flesh and spirit. Kind of brings a contrast to these two things in a binary way. The flesh isn't so great. The spirit of God is really great. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who gave us the message translation, he interpreted it this way. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open into a spacious free life so this is a perspective issue and Jesus uh, in one of his teachings uh, says where your treasure is there the desires of your heart will be also he goes on to say you cannot serve both God and money and that's right so there's a choice to be made about what's going to rule our life and then he goes on into an, an expanded teaching about worry and fear and all that. This is where he talks about consider the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. They, not, they don't worry about tomorrow. And so he ends that section saying, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough troubles of its own. Stay focused on today. All of this is to say, where are we choosing to put our focus? How are we choosing to, to see what is right in front of us? And most of us struggle with seeing the headwinds all the time because we're naturally, our lizard brain kicks in, that's the threat. And so we're very, it's, we're very prone uh, to getting into that kind of a space where we can get negative in a hurry. Or am I the only one? Anybody else have that issue? I, I am the only one. Okay, great. All right, that's fine. Um, but I think there's more here. There's a, there's a Japanese art form. It's a martial art form. And it works on helping people have uh, softer eyes, they call it. And what they're referring to is that when we're in a, a difficult situation, kind of a fight or flight situation, our, our focus of our, our eyes narrows very specifically on the headwinds, on what that obstacle is in front of us. But what this martial art form helps people do is to slow down, to, to see things with a softer gaze, a wider gaze, so that you might recognize all the variables at play, not just the threat that's in front of you. 
It allows you to be more creative, allows you to, to see things in a different way that maybe you hadn't, recognize the tailwinds uh, that have been helping us along uh, all the way. Final quote that I have for you, then I just got a couple comments. From Dinah Butler Bass. The Christian scriptures liken gratitude to joy, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And this is a reference, by the way, uh, to the book of James, the letter by James. Uh, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. This is from uh, the letter to the Galatian church. Uh, I know you were going to kill me on that, so I'm just m making that clear. So Paul's letter to the Galatian church. And to give you a little backstory, uh, the Galatian church was a church that was being bombarded with legalistic thinking. Uh, Paul came in and talking about uh, the redemptive quality of God and grace and how it's not about a legalistic way of thinking. And then after he left to go start some new ministries elsewhere, some well-meaning people came in behind him and said, well, we love all this love stuff, but if you're going to really you know, follow uh, this thing, you need to really drill down into your Jewish roots here, which means you need to follow the law and you need to follow it pretty strictly. They were sabotaging the whole idea of grace itself. That's why uh, Paul goes on to say there is neither slave nor free, Greek uh, nor Jew, male or female, because we're all one in Christ. So that, that whole kind of legalistic thinking about who's in, who's out, that was, a, that was bad. So Paul was frustrated with this. Later on in his letter, he said, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. All these wonderful qualities that everybody wants their, their life to be marked with. But it's a fruit of, on a tree. You can't just make a lemon uh, happen. You have to nurture the tree. You have to feed the tree, water the tree, prune the tree. And then uh, you've you got a better shot that the lemons are going to come. So that's where the fruit of the Spirit idea comes. So let me start this again. The Christian scriptures liken gratitude to joy, a fruit of the Spirit. Gratitude is not only an emotion. It is something we do. But it is not a program. It is the tending a garden. It is like tending a garden. It takes planting and watering and weeding. It takes time and attention. It takes learning. It takes routine. But eventually the ground yields, shoots come forth, and Thanksgiving blooms. In her book, Diana Butler Bass gives lots of gardening tips, how to tend the garden of our lives that we might have the fruit of joy and gratitude. And some of the things you've heard me say over the years and some of the things you've already read about elsewhere, like the gratitude list, that thing I'm asking you to consider doing. How many of you are doing the gratitude list? All right, very good. Keep it up. If you've uh, missed a few days, that's okay. You can play catch up. Uh, if you know you're going to blow it five days from now, go ahead and write that one in now. <laughs> Save yourself the guilt and shame. Feel proud of yourself. That's fine. Um, but the gratitude list thing works. It's proven to work. Uh, and the more we do it, the more we recognize that, as I mentioned in a quote last week, that it's not really about surfacey stuff. We can be grateful for our surfacey material things, but the more we do it, the depth of our gratitude goes deeper. And there's great depth there and great strength there. So gratitude lists matter. She also talks about ordering our lives and creating some practices in our lives uh, to help us reset throughout our day. Uh, and other religious traditions uh, have times of prayer throughout the day that all people of the faith are supposed to stop whatever they're doing and bow for a moment of prayer. Uh, Christians in the Protestant tradition, we're not great at that, and so we need to think about how we might do that. So she recommends four times a day. Uh, one time in the morning, as soon as you get up, 
Uh, Diana Butler Bass says that she's got, uh, you know, some gratitude poetry, like on her bedside table, so she can start the day with gratitude and, and gets her head straight uh, right out of the gate. And then sometime in a late morning, early afternoon, um, uh, she talked about a friend of hers who was a historian uh, named Phyllis Tickle, uh, who would excuse herself no matter where she was. She'd excuse herself late morning, early afternoon, just for five minutes, and then she'd come back, and it was just time to reset, quiet, and then later on, around maybe the dinner hour, somewhere in there, do it again, and then finally, before you go to bed, just another opportunity to reset. Uh, there's a more formal way to do this called the examine. Uh, the examine uh, is a... Um, is a fantastic tool, and it simply is a, a, a genuine review of your day. It might start with an anticip anticipatory piece at the beginning of the day. This is what I'm hoping for, but the examine is really at the end of the day, you go back through your day and you mark, you mark those moments so that you don't forget, and you take a moment to recognize, okay, these were the headwinds that I experienced, but these were the tailwinds. These were the boosters in the day that I can be grateful for, the, the good things that happen. And just in doing these practices, uh, they help a lot. The thing that I'm grateful for today, by the way, uh, my first thing that I came up with uh, this morning um, as I was letting our grand dog out in our backyard to do his business uh, was that uh, the trees are gorgeous. And I was at a wedding yesterday in this beautiful setting, I was talking to the DJ, and he was telling me, just reminding himself, and we were talking together, what an extraordinarily beautiful place we live. And that literally people come from all over the world just to be where we are. And so never lose sight of that, the beauty of the day. And we have maple trees in our neighborhood, and so they're just flaming red and uh, just gorgeous. And so I was just grateful for this incredible beauty uh, that's all around us. But as I got closer to the services today, and knowing you know, that I struggle myself with this looking at my past and feeling grateful for parts of it, um, what I became more and more grateful for was you, was Crosswalk. I'm an Enneagram type 3, which means I am a performer. And while there have been situations in my past where uh, other people have done very hurtful things uh, to me, um, most of the time my struggle is with self-criticism uh, because I'm always wanting to perform better. <laughs> I'm always wanting to do it better, smarter. Uh, more effective. And so when I think about my past, usually um, I go to dark places, unfortunately, pretty fast because I keep thinking about times, ah, oh, man, I wish I would have handled that differently. I wish I could have said that better. I wish I could have led stronger in this. All those types of things. And it can become overwhelming uh, sometimes uh, and not, not at all helpful or, or healthy. Uh, so when I think about being grateful for those seasons, it's difficult because I'm the problem <laughs> in that narrative. And how do I deal with that on my own stuff? But what I have noticed is that, like she says, actually works, that is when I am still long enough, when I am still long enough and quiet and breathing and allow space for all that noise to move away and just listen, I hear something else. I see things differently. And one of the things that I see are the tailwinds. We have faced an unbelievable amount of headwinds <laughs> in Crosswalk's journey. <laughs> I mean, crazy. So much so that when I tell the story, I was just telling a fellow pastor here in Napa who's facing into 
a long season of headwinds in his church <laughs> coming up. And he, he now knows that after talking to me, uh, you know, just recounting stuff. And he was just acknowledging, you know, that the things that this church has gone through over, over many years has taken great courage on our part. And I tend to, you know, recognize the battle side and the painful side of it. But what I started to really appreciate this morning was the tailwind side. That how extraordinary it is that even though there were very painful decisions, very important decisions that I still absolutely stand by, that we made, there were people who absolutely did leave. Uh, we would probably be a megachurch if we'd kept all the people <laughs> that left over the years. But the reality is that even though there were people who left because they didn't like our decision, be it on the contemporization of our worship or ripping out the, the carpet and the pews so we can be smarter with our space to changing the name of the church to LGBTQ inclusion, all the whoppers that are possible, we pretty much nailed them all. I don't know what is another whopper that we might, <laughs> that we might go after next, but I'll let you know for sure. <laughs> but the beauty is, is that for all the headwinds, the tailwinds are so much stronger because you're here. You said at every one of those turns, yes, I'm here. This is where we are together as community. And what a beautiful and extraordinary thing that is, that we have the story to tell and the story to be proud of here at Crosswalk, and that's because of the tailwinds that you are a part of, listening to the nudge of God, uh, tying into the winds of God to pull us forward. And that wind is always going to be there. And so that's part of the genius of this whole thing, of looking back and seeing the tailwinds and not just the headwinds, is it, it prepares us for future headwinds. Because the more we remember and reflect, oh yeah, back then, all I could see was the headwinds and how bad things were. But now I look back and I recognize that there are other forces at work that I can be so grateful for because I'm still alive and kicking here and now. And so when we're going through those struggles now, it's almost like our past gives us a hope for the future because we can trust that the tailwinds are going to be there even if we can't see it right now. So it doesn't mean that I'm grateful for my stupidity or my idiocy or my arrogance or my egoistic leadership or whatever that might be. I'm not grateful for that, but I'm so grateful uh, for the tailwinds that were surrounding me and shaping me and maturing me, hopefully, along the way to help us become who we are. And I hope that for you, it might be the same. That if you're facing the headwind right now, just remember the times past. You got through some stuff when you couldn't see any tailwinds, but now you know the tailwinds were always there. That gives us a hope for the future that is very, very powerful. It's also uh, one of the problems with youth is when we are pre-25 years old, our brains have a hard time thinking past the end of our noses. Literally, our brains can't think deep into the future. Uh, but we can remember the past, what we've gone through, so when we're in the middle of it, we don't need to despair quite so much. There is a uh, story I want to tell you um, that was pretty powerful for me this week. I have a friend and colleague, her name is uh, Reverend Dr. Charlotte Meyer. She's been an ordained American Baptist pastor, um, I, I don't know how long. She's in retirement age now. Um, she lost her husband and to death uh, several years ago. 
Uh, and she's been a, uh, a, hosp- uh, a hospice chaplain uh, for, I think, most of her ministry. It's her main thing. Dynamic person. Uh, she uh, has been serving in our Bay Area Ministers Council, which is a uh, collegial uh, kind of uh, organization that gets all American Baptist pastors together for training and accountability and this kind of a thing. And she just got a, a nomination for a national level uh, position with that, which was just wonderful uh, for so many reasons. And I was surprised to get an email forwarded to me uh, from a colleague uh, from her uh, to the national offices uh, last September saying that effective immediately she needed to withdraw from all of her leadership uh, positions uh, for health reasons. And then she had some uh, pretty potent prayerful words that let any reader know that she was facing something very, very serious. And it turns out that uh, Charlotte learned that she uh, had some kind of stage four GI tract cancer. And there was no cure for her and no hope uh, for saving her life. At that time, back in September, she knew that uh, Crosswalk, me, uh, we were going, I was gonna host the minister's council here uh, on our campus uh, this past Thursday. And she told a friend I'd love to go to that, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to. And by able, she meant too sick or, or not even here. And her friend said, well, let's hope, and let's, let's see if we can do it. Well, she, she came. And part of the reason she came is because she and her husband loved wine and collected wine primarily from France and Germany. And she knows that when I host a minister's council, I work out a wine tasting, you know, afterwards <laughs> for those who want it. And she wanted to get in on the wine tasting. So uh, she showed up, and she made it, and she looked wonderful, radiant, uh, full of life, which is not at all uh, what I expected to see. And she was talking about her story and contributing, you know, I, I kind of laid some quotes on them from last week just as a meditative kind of teaching thing. We talked about gratitude, and she was talking about gratitude, even though she's at the end of her life. And then it came time for uh, us to pray. And by the way, one interesting thing that she said when, um, when I expressed and we expressed as a community uh, how sorry we were uh, for her diagnosis and what she was going through. And she kind of lit up with a smile. And she said, you know, I don't celebrate death. I celebrate transformation, which is what I'm heading toward now. I am confident and full of faith that when this life is over, I am going to be held in the arms of God, and I will be transformed. And I am just so looking forward to that. There was no fear in her. There was no sorrow in her. It's remarkable. She has soft eyes, born out of decades of tending the garden of those disciplines that she put into her life so that when times like this come, they are not her undoing. Even death itself, which is at her door, is not taking her out of the arms of joy and love and peace. That is the fruit of a well-tended garden. We closed our time in prayer, and it was... Uh, we professional pastors, you know, uh, we, we know how to pray. And uh, 
So it was just kind of an invitation, and anybody felt like praying, felt the nudge to go ahead and uh, pray and, you know, join, join the thing if you want. And uh, the, the Spirit of God nudged Charlotte. And the prayer that, that Charlotte offered was a song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I'm going to forget the words. Uh, then it goes on. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. A woman who's nearing death. A woman who's nearing death. Who has every reason to pay full attention to the headwind. And the song that comes out is Blessed Assurance Jesus is Mine. We can be grateful even when it's awful because there is something bigger that is holding us that will continue to hold us, that will welcome us with holding us when this life is complete. And that is incredibly hopeful, a hope that will not disappoint, that can give us anticipatory gratitude every day of our lives until that becomes our reality. May it be so for you. I'd like to pray uh, together, just give you some moments uh, to be still and quiet, and then uh, we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together that will be on the screen. So close your eyes with me. And I'm wondering, uh, what, what did you need to hear today that maybe the tailwinds of God brought you here just for that purpose, that you agreed to, you said yes to? What are the nudges, the whispers that are sticking with you? We all have been through it, my friends. All of us have had things in our past, hurts that were born from others' decisions and choices, behaviors, large, kind of hard-to-blame, systemic-type things that have caused us pain that we had nothing to do, economic realities, wars, who knows what else that have caused us suffering over time to varying degrees. And my guess is that I'm not the only one, that if we had to do it all over again, I would have handled some things differently. Our own choices sometimes result in difficult chapters. Those are headwinds, and we see them. But do you see also the incredibly powerful tailwinds that were also present that have brought you all the way to now and are still blowing to help you through whatever headwinds might be coming your way. 
This is not an excusing of the evil. Those things were not gifts to be grateful for. But even in light of the pain that we've been through, there has been something more that we can be grateful for because we're still kicking. We're still here together. We can still hear the wind and feel it and trust it. God, no matter what we might be facing right now, Help us be still long enough to have soft eyes, to sense the tailwind that has always sustained us and always will. Even as we face into the storm, God, may we know that your spirit is with us to get us through and to get us home. Help us put things into our lives to tend this garden of gratitude. Disciplines of just resetting throughout the day so that the cultural realities that are so negative at times will not win the day, but we will choose to be grateful. We will choose to take a moment to see the beauty all around us and feel the winds of your spirit. That we will be changed from the inside out to be more positive because there is more positive to be more hopeful because there is something to hope for. And to that end, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, which is in itself a framework for life that leads to greater and greater joy. Let's pray it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Hey, I do want to thank our uh, wonderful cooks who made this delicious spread for us. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I uh, want to say, you know, one of the things that um, I've caught in a lot of literature about church and world and all that stuff is that people who have left church altogether, uh, usually because of bad theology and stuff, what they are craving uh, deeply is community of good people, loving people. And some of these people are even willing to put up with lousy theology for a little bit, you know, to do it. But I think we've got a great thing going because we've got a great community and we've got a great theology uh, here. So, yeah. So we're trying to do a meal event like this once a month. And I would just encourage you, if you know some folks that would be looking for good people community, um, those would be great to invite them to because it's going to be a little on the lighter side. You're going to get fantastic food. The next one is going to be on December 17. Uh, where we are going to start uh, with San Francisco Brass for their annual concert here, which is always awesome. Uh, followed by delicious food and probably get the kids to sing something uh, for us too. So it's going to be a triple whammy that day. Well worth inviting your friends and family. It will be a lot of fun and, and holiday all around. Okay, and just a quick announcement. Oh, no, 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 I'll save that. It's a cliffhanger. You'll have to come back later. All right. All right, thanks for coming. See you next week. <laughs>